Welcome to the Homeschool Unlocked podcast, the show that helps parents see homeschooling as a unique opportunity. So forget fear. You can inspire. You can guide your child. Homeschool Unlocked. It's not school. It's life. Well, hello. It is episode 55. 55, 55, 55. Yes, and that is a wonderful timing. Knock, knock. Who's there? Sue. Sue who? Surprise. Happy anniversary. This is our 12th year of the podcast? <laughs> no. 12 months. 12 months. One year. This is our one year anniversary, beautiful people. And uh, we can't say that you, we had a, a dull moment. This was absolutely awesome. We look forward to to, to starting off year number two. Um, and uh, let me just start off by telling the whole audience, I love my wife. I am very thankful to be doing a little podcast with her. I'm glad we're getting a chance to share her wonderful years of experience, getting behind the mic. And sweetie, you've been very brave in sharing your your thoughts, your feelings, your struggles, your 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 efforts, your your joy, and uh, looking to bless other people. So happy anniversary, my love. Thank you, honey. I, I have had a great time with you. I, I truly have had a wonderful time. I enjoy spending time with you. And this whole podcasting adventure has just been great. You make it so easy. You make it so much fun. You're so flexible with me. And I thank you for that. I know that it's a way that it's brought our whole family together. I know that all the kids are praying for us and I love spending this time with you. So thank you, honey. You are wonderful. Thank you, baby. And uh, can I, you know, can I pretend a little bit? Okay. Uh, You know, the last two episodes, episode 53 and episode 54, I I dug a a little bit into my my research that I did when I was a student, when I was a college student. Many Mm -hmm. of you may or may not know, uh, Monica and I met at Barry University in Miami Shores, Florida. Um, I went there for nine consecutive years. Monica went there for four years. And thank the Lord, somehow my nine crossed her four. And we saw each other and we got married. But for me to graduate at year number nine, mm-hmm. I had to write a directive research. So what I meant, but let's pretend. I want to pretend that everybody's super interested in my research. <laughs> I let's, think that's let's, fine. Let's pretend. Let's pretend that. And, um, you know, for episodes 53 and 54, I kind of shared a couple different items in there. Um, you know, as you prepare to write something like a thesis, right, like, you know, contributing to a particular field of study, you begin with a literature review, right? You can't have a conversation about, let's just say, joy if you don't define joy and kind of bring up all the major issues tied to joy that have already been written, right? And so as you lay out what's already been written, your job as someone contributing to the field is to identify where something you may not agree with. So you get to bring a different perspective to something or you fill in some sort of knowledge gap. And so in 2002, that was the year I graduated in June of 2002, I had the great opportunity while sitting in my school psychology program. It was a nationally certified school psychology program. It was like one of the three nationally certified programs in the state. Um, this was a component that not all school psych programs had, right? You had to write a research paper and try to get it published. That was the intent of it. And, um, yeah, I shared information tied to that whole literature review, history of homeschooling, uh, common questions at homeschooling and common concerns homeschooling and the public school had. 
uh, each toward each other. And so I thought in this particular episode, you know, we'd spend some time in the directive research a little bit. Just to give you guys a little bit of background, again, pretending uh, the, the, the homeschool universe is interested in my research. This is our podcast, so we have the freedom to do that. That's right. And our That's listeners right. are so awesome. Awesome. That they are going to find value in this because they know that we care about them and we wouldn't waste their time. But I do want to say a couple of things. I want to highlight, number one, that you went against the grain when you were writing your thesis because at that time, now, I mean – homeschooling has definitely picked up speed and even then what homeschooling looked like in the early 2000s was benefiting from everything that happened in the late 1960s and on it modern day homeschooling had been around already a few decades but still you did something that wasn't as common as it is today and now 20 years later we're still homeschooling you took a leap of faith you had like a childlike enthusiasm. You really wanted to reach out to these families that, you know, maybe had less of a voice than they do now. Yeah. And you invested time and thought. And now the research that you did, it's still applicable. It still is true today. How is it possible for moms that maybe just have a high school education to raise kids that actually are very academically strong, capable, yep. you know, eager. And so my degree in school psychology pretty much dealt with um, everything that's not average, right? The ends of the extremes, right? Those that are gifted and those that, you know, have disabilities, right? The ends. And these would be, you know, my degree kind of goes into assessing what's going on in both of those uh, little pockets and then generating recommendations so that, you know, where the kid is at, and in this particular case, I'm thinking the traditional school system, they're able to grab that and maybe just customize and, and, and tailor an education program for those particular kids, right? Just And just to go back, at that particular time, you had, you know, about one and a half percent of the country's homeschooling at that point. And now, you know, um, I, I pulled out some research at one of Monica's business meetings, you know, where I was just talking to them about Homeschool Unlocked in the podcast. We're at about close to 5.5, 5.6% of the country. That's like 500% increase in homeschooling in the past 20 years, which is phenomenal, right? 5.5 may seem small, but when you used to be one and a half percent, right? When you used to be in the, you know, single digits, well, we're still in the single digits, but when you used to be way down there, you know, it might've been just looked at as a fad or, you know, just people just holding on to a particular tradition, but it's exploding. It's getting bigger. So, you know, maybe uh, sharing a couple of thoughts on my research paper may help at this point. Yeah, absolutely. And we have been homeschooling for going on 21 years. So I'd love to go back and talk a little bit about why you chose to talk about homeschoolers for your thesis. What did you notice about the homeschooling population? I think the first thing that just really caught my eye was these people aren't teachers. Right? I mean, <laughs> ha, 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 how teachers were defined to me in my brain were you got a certain degree and you worked in a building that taught stuff. And uh, a house... I don't know. I mean, I mean, I, I kind of grew up at a house where, you know, my mom, but left to go to work yes. prior to me leaving to Amazing school. Amazing woman, totally a hard Super worker. Super mom, Myrna, number one. So all of a sudden, my mom out there working, and this is what I'm accustomed to doing. Home is like an empty place. Home was like where you ate and slept, and that's pretty much it. Um, so uh, a place where it was educated baffled me, and 
I couldn't quite figure out when a kid had difficulties. I mean, I can understand if a kid's successful and they're kind of like a self-learner. I kind of, you know, listen, I wasn't the most smartest kid in the universe, but, you know, Abraham Lincoln taught himself and other people I heard taught themselves. So, okay, great. But what so, do they do when they have difficulty? So you, but did you, I'm kind of wondering, like, did you notice anything about just the kids, their demeanor, just how they acted that you thought, oh, this is a, this is a cool group or... I think I was just surprised how articulate they were, how comfortable they were talking uh, uh, to adults. And I said, this is uh, super abnormal. <laughs> and so I was amazed by it, you know, as a, as, a, as a college student, still trying to get my footing in terms of being comfortable speaking in front of people and sharing my thoughts and sharing them confidently. I'm looking at elementary school kids that were doing that. And I was like, no, there, there's, something, there's something else going on here. So you decided to focus on the homeschool population and because you are a school psychologist and you're working with like we uh, the bell curve, right? Yep, Students, curve. when you look at the bell curve, yep, yep. the normal average is the middle where you have the kind of the peak, the top, yep. and then the end. So you as a school psychologist are servicing kids that either have learning disabilities and different needs or that are gifted and have a different set of needs. Yes, that's correct. So you're wondering, okay, you're talking to these kids. Is it? Is it? Do you remember if you had a conversation with a parent that had a child that had special needs that you were wondering, well, how do you get help, or well, how, do you remember that? Yeah, well, well, it, it didn't. It wasn't that I came across a kid or a parent that was having difficulty in the homeschool environment, right? So my degree, you know, um, there's legislation. Uh, it's currently in the books now, and it talks about. The school system has to identify 100% of the kids that have a possibility of having a disability, a disability, 100%. And so I'm thinking there's a massive group of kids that are, are beyond uh, me ever reviewing and, and deciding that determination, right? So, so immediately my degree seeks pathology, right? I'm seeking to address problems, right? So when I come across a situation where I don't see it, because right? I'm accustomed to seeing it all over the place, and I'm not seeing it. I'm thinking, something's happening here. These are either different kids. These are either different parents. This is either a different learning environment, but there's something here that doesn't give me access. And as a school psychologist, uh, uh, because you have to kind of justify your topic, my topic was, as a school psychologist, aimed to figure out and to help all those with suspected disabilities, this was a population that... I wanted to make myself available for, so I wanted to understand them. That's how kind of I, how I justified my research because I, I had to explain why, right? I'm going into a school psychology program talking about how I'm not going to look how I'm going to look at kids that aren't in school. So, so that that wasn't an easy <laughs> argument, right? So, okay, so you're talking about justifying, and you're talking about the topic of your thesis. The topic of my thesis. Now, it's it's specifically called a thesis, but it's also a directed research, right? This is what we called it at that particular time. When you sent out hundreds of surveys. Hundreds of surveys. Yeah, it was a survey format. And you got back a number of, of, of them back. Actually, Correct. like maybe less than 20%. Yeah, I think I sent out a, a couple hundred, and I had 75 that came back to me um, um, from about five or six or seven different states. Okay. And so that was nice because I got a nice little variety. It's predominantly... Um, east coast predominantly in the southeast so so maybe the responses to my questions couldn't deal with you know homeschool globally but at least i could have a conversation about at least that region of uh, of the states and that was nice 
you know, in, in a place where the data was scarce, um, you know, scarce to the point where, you know, you had some states at that point where people were afraid to share that they that homeschooled, homeschooled yeah. right? There, there were also legislations in certain states where the parent never had to disclose that information in some other places where they did. And so all of a sudden, you know, that's, that's, that's the world I'm trying to dig into. And now 20 years later, what have you learned as a school psychologist and just even as a, well, no, let's stick to a school psychologist. What have you learned about how to care for homeschool parents? Yeah, um, that's, that's a, that's a, or the students, right? Yeah, I mean, that, would you, that's the a whole family. Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. You know, being in the system such a long time, when you first get introduced to, uh, you know, the public school education system, you, you really just step into it thinking that's just the way it is. And the most brilliant people on the planet had to have put it together only because it's existed for so long. And, and you spend some time in that particular system and you recognize, man, these are just people making decisions on policies and procedures, making decisions on standards, what's normal, what's expected. And so then uh, all of a sudden when you step into that equation and you realize, man, these are other people making decisions on what's considered normal and standard and what's expected of my kid, man, I can do that. Right? This is what, what my experience. And again, this is simultaneous, right? Because the first five or six years of our marriage you were um, you were teaching in the private school, right? We had no kids at this point, right? Because the, mm-hmm. the day your water broke, you retired. That's right. Right? And so so Monica has experienced teaching, right? Delivering content and structure and material at a pace dictated by somebody else. I've always worked in that system. And I've come across all kind of kids that at the time, the, 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 the verbiage was curriculum casualties. It was very difficult to distinguish between a kid with a deficit than a kid with a disability. It was very difficult to differentiate between a kid with a real learning disability and a kid which is, quote-unquote, a curriculum casualty, right? This kid is not succeeding due to the teaching style of the parent. I mean, the teaching style of the teacher, the learning environment, the way the material is kind of laid out. It didn't fit that kid's needs nor learning style, right? And so I often came across that issue, and then I realized, you know, man, these homeschool parents, man, they're, they're, they're super individualized and customized, Right, capitalizing on the most important thing that you can when you educate your kid, which is academic engagement time, like time in the material. Right, if you were to clock a homeschool, I'm gonna I'm gonna guess here, but if you were to clock a homeschool learning environment, I'm gonna say in a typical four-hour homeschool day, you've probably quadrupled the amount of time in the material that you would in a traditional school where the kids at six, seven, eight hours in a day. And John Taylor Gatto, who we talked about two episodes ago, back in 2018, uh, actually passed away. But he, in one of his books called The uh, Dumbing Us Down, The Hidden Curriculum of Compulsory Schooling, he actually talks about not that the modern school systems are set up to um, actually focus on academic engagement. According to him, what they're doing is that they're more focused on teaching children to accept the classroom assignment and to obey authority unquestioningly and also to value conformity above individuality. So taking that view, the focus really isn't on academics, although sometimes we as homeschooling parents get really stuck on that and we lose the joy of the beautiful opportunity that we have at home. So this is why, parents, 
you can focus on different activities, whether it be, um, for example, in our homeschool co-op, we're going to be doing a little science fair with just simple science experiments that we're going to share about. We also have a day where we have, you know, entrepreneur and we kind of go and we and we focus on selling different goods. You're able to teach your children to value learning to help persuade in the best possible way. I mean, I know that I am right now, I'm in sales. And what I'm trying to do is communicate a certain belief to persuade because I know that what I have has benefit. And in that whole homeschool environment, the academics don't take the primary seat, right? We're valuing focusing on God, we're valuing focusing on service, but I would say that even in the modern school setting, even though it looks like academics is the focus, in actuality, according to John Taylor Gatto, what's going on is really a whole shifting of priorities, like for example, talking about conformity over individuality. So this is what you get to capitalize on here at home. When you put your child back in, these whole values and characters and skills and content that other people are kind of controlling, right? To generate whatever kid they're, they're looking to control, this is the advantage of bringing your child home. This is. This is just the advantage of bringing your child home. Now, the past three episodes, right? This is episode 55. This is the close of our first full year. Next episode will be the beginning of our second year. But in the last three episodes, we really had a chance to kind of deep dive into the whole history of uh, homeschooling, but also public school and, and how they view things in that in that market. So I ask that you review those. I ask that you follow us, right? I need, to, I need you to understand that here at Homeschool Unlocked, we're looking to love all the families that are listening and all the families that are about to listen and all the families that you're going to send this to. So this is the ask. This is the ask to celebrate our one-year anniversary. You know what? I would have loved a bunch of envelopes from our Homeschool Unlocked community telling us how beautiful and lovely we are. But you know what I would like instead? Man, I need you to send this to at least one other person. And then ask that person to send it to at least one other person. That's it. You send it to one, tell that one to send it to one. That's the ask. Why do we say that? Why do we do that? Homeschool provides an experience to do things you cannot do anywhere else with your kids. You can go to Disney World as many times as you want. You can go camping. You can go fishing. You can leave the country. But there's something to be had here at home. And we ask you to think about it for a season. This is the purpose of Homeschool Unlocked. So we love you. We thank you for one year with us. One year. We thank you. We love you. My love, I look back to you and I thank you. And I want to say I love you. I love you too, honey. And have a great week. See you next Wednesday. Thank you for spending time with us today. Check out our link below and subscribe to our podcast. We hope that we helped you by unlocking a new way of seeing homeschooling. Who else needs to hear this? Only you know. So take action and share it. Because remember, homeschool unlocked. It's not school. It's life.